0: Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. Good morning. Um, Oh good, we got a few people here that are awake. I'm awake. We are excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I was blessed to be able to bring my family up. It's going to be a short trip for us and uh, 16, 17 hours in the car for us to drive up, but they wanted to be here and they're excited, some for different reasons. Last night, uh, we were just hanging out with, with family, and the next thing I know, I look at, at my watch, and it's like 10 o'clock, and my five year old is still up. I'm like, oh, goodness, I got to get you to bed. And it was way past bedtime for me and for you. And so I was like, Jace, we got to get to bed. We got church in the morning. And he kind of thinks, and he goes, wait a minute, are we going to that one church? And I said, yeah, we're going go to go to Ridgeway. And he kind of thinks again, he he's like, yes, donuts. <laughs> so he's excited for the donuts. So I'm not sure it works this way, but Ridgeway, you guys win our church. In in Florida, we don't have donuts like that. So uh, I don't think it's supposed to work that way with that. But anyways, uh, so those that are involved with that ministry, is good, okay? People get excited about donuts. (laughs) We're excited to be here. Um, I see uh, lots of familiar faces, but new faces as well. And so I just want to share just a little bit about this thing. There we go. Just a little bit about myself, as uh, Wayne was saying. Um, I'm kind of from this area. I went to high school and some prayer. I always considered, back then it was Bethesda, but this was, this was uh, my church, I just highly involved with the church. And uh, I left, uh, when I graduated high school, I left and uh, uh, met Claudette, was going to be my, my wife, and I knew I needed to find a way to take care of her, so I joined the military and left for, for four years, and went out, was out on the west coast for four years, but I felt at the end of that, that military, rather than re-enlisting and staying in, I just felt a call back here to this area, to this church specific, on my heart, saying, "Go back to Madison, go back to Bethesda, and get plugged in." And so we did that by faith. It's a whole miracle story how we even ended back, and that whole process, but ended back here. And I remember just going into Pastor Brian's office and just going, "I'm here. It's a it's the weirdest thing, but I'm just I feel like God is saying that I'm, we're just supposed to plug in. So wherever you need help." And he said. Junior high ministry, middle school, we need help. Nobody wants to work with middle school. They're crazy. They're still crazy, right? But I said, I'll do it. I'll sign up and work with middle school. In fact, we are still doing that, aren't we, uh, With at EBC in, in Florida. I'm still helping with with middle school ministry. But that uh, started as, as volunteering and just working with that and turned, up, turned into full-time and just being able to serve here. I think a total of, of 12 years. And then uh, close to five years ago in uh, 2015, this this January will be five years, I had to make one of the hardest decisions in my life. It still, to this day, has been one of the hardest decisions I've had to make. And that was the transition. I really thought, I, was, I wasn't looking to leave. I really thought I would be here. Uh, at that time, it was Bethesda Ridgeway. I thought I'd be here, um, just continuing to just serve. Um, but we ended up uh, 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 leaving here, making a decision and going working Uh, with a mission organization uh, called Heart of the Bride. And uh, we made that decision that God was calling us for a season to work there. And so um, I work with Heart of the Bride. It's a mission organization in Niceville, Florida. Yes, that is the name of the town. It's nice. (laughs) Dad jokes are coming out. (laughs) Um, So in Niceville, that's our home office. Um, We, uh, our primary focus And mission is to care for for orphans and and at-risk children around the world. We're in five different countries globally, and uh, currently we have about 500 orphans and at-risk children that we're responsible for, that we care for, several orphanages throughout different countries. And and in the last couple of years, we've been really more intentional with um, expanding from just orphans. Um, so orphans is still a primary focus, but we realize there's still a huge need, and what we call them is children in crisis or at-risk children, and so they might not be completely orphans, but uh, for instance, in, like, um, in, in Kenya, um, a lot of the, 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 they may have one parent, like a mom, and dad, uh, AIDS has just come on and just destroyed villages, right, and so a lot of it, you have kids. Um, may have a single parent, but it's really hard to just survive and make it and in some of these developing countries We kind of take it for granted here But here you just like send them off to school and they get education, right? We we pay through taxes, but it's like that's just what you do and these countries like you have to pay not only are they paying taxes But you have to pay extra to send your kid to school right for them to get an education and so it's just really hard a lot of these families if it's a single mother or sometimes it's an aunt or a grandmother raising These kids they just can't afford to go to school they can barely afford a meal. And so what we've, we've done is we've been able, to, been able to come in and establish some schools. Uh, we feed them. We're sharing the gospel with them, but then also providing an education. And So it hasn't been where we've, we full out have a full orphan home, if that makes sense, but we're able to say, hey, no, we're going to give you a meal that day, and we're going to share the gospel with you, uh, 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 teach Bible. Classes and also just educate them. And so one area that we've really just been involved with in the uh, in the last two years is um, is in Kenya, and this is called Eagles Christian Academy. And so, in fact, we just had a team there last week. Uh, they were there for two weeks, and so we've got about thirty five students there, first grade through fourth grade. We're looking to expand our our our, our vision. There is to expand a grade each year, and uh, and so we've got to ex- expand the building. It's really cool. We just had a, uh, I was just told this before I came on this trip. We just had a, a donor come in and say, hey, I want to match, do a matching grant uh, up to $50,000 for you to expand that building so you guys can get more kids. And so we're like, and so we have to the first year where it's like anything that we raise up to 50000 this person is going to come in and match it. So we potentially could have $100,000 that we can invest in this school and keep adding grades and teachers. And so we're excited about that. Um, Eagles Christian Academy, it's in uh, Kenya. And, and here's a picture. So I'm usually really good about uh, bringing information and having that. I don't have anything. And you'll find out why. I've had a crazy busy week. I don't, but here's what I do have. This is our website, and so if anything that I'm sharing with you uh, today just kind of resonates, please Uh, You can take a picture of this or write this down. You can go to the website to find out more information, specifically how you can get involved. If you want to help with that, with the mansion grant, we're also, for those kids, uh, it's expensive, and so we look for opportunities where you can come in and sponsor kids and help them through that. And we have areas not only in Kenya, but in Zambia, in Haiti, in India, and so different areas in in Crimea as well. And so if something resonates with you, please go to this website, or um, after this, I will make myself available, and you can... We can talk about more specifics and how you can get involved and help us out. Um, but for the first time, um, uh, for us as an organization, um, we did something this past week uh, that, that has never been done in our area. It was new for us. Uh, we put on a camp specifically for foster care kids in our local area in Okaloosa County. And so um, uh, we had 26 kids uh, this was our, our goal. Uh, when, we had, when Tony, our founder, had this vision, there's a huge need in Okaloosa County uh, for, uh, with kids in the foster care system. Uh, we have the highest rate, in fact, in all the state of Florida, where kids are just ending up in that system. Okaloosa County, and I'll, the majority of the reason is substance abuse. So parents, substance abuse and, uh, and law enforcement, and they have to come in and just pull the kids, right, and then take them. Out of our county, we only have 15 families that are foster care families. And out of that 15, 11 go to our church. Right? So our church is representing in that area. But we don't, it's a huge need. We don't have enough foster care families to get them out of the system and to get them into loving homes. And so it's, it's, a, it's a big problem. We don't have immediate solutions. But we know that, hey, something in Heart of the Bride, we wanted to do more something local for the kids, children in crisis, at-risk children in our local area, not just global stuff. And so this year uh, we said, we're going to put on this camp. And this was basically the vision of the camp. We want them to have the best week of their life, and we want to introduce them to Jesus. Yeah. Best week of their life, but we want to introduce them to Jesus. Okay, so that was it. It was basically on those two things. Now, when we started this, I remember Tony going into to the caseworkers and saying, here's what we want. We want the worst kids. Give us your problem, kids, that nobody wants. The worst in the system, we want all the kids that are in crisis. And the rest of us are going, oh, man, we gotta be careful what you ask for, okay? But he's going, This is a need. We want to bless them. We want all the problem kids. And so that's that was our goal. We ended up having 26. I have a short uh, video that I just wanna wanna play. You can kind of see. Uh, this this camp was just last week. It started Monday. We were there Sunday night setting up. We just got done Friday at noon, and then I threw some clothes in a bag. I'm Fortunate that I even somewhat match, all right? And when we got on the road to head up this way, I mean, it's been go, 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 go for me all last week involved with this camp and then uh, taking two days to drive up here. So I'm exhausted. I'll talk more about that. But I have a short video. We'll see if we can get this. There we go. We had all these plans and big ideas of how this is, uh, camp was supposed to happen and things set up. And, but there were so many unknowns. This was the first time that we were doing this. The first time in this area that someone was put on a camp. And then to, uh, you know, to compound that, it's like, (laughs) those of you, if, if you have anything to do or you're teaching children, all right, it's like, it's hard work, right? It takes a lot of energy and it's go, 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 go. Right, and, and you're just hoping that maybe it's just one or two kids that I have to deal with that are troublemakers, right? Because I can get through that day. But you just take that and you just multiply it. And we just go, hey, we want all the problem kids. Just bring it. And you don't see that in the video because I'm able to take a video and I edit it and you see all the smiles and the joys. But you don't see, it was tough and it was hard. And, and we knew we wanted to do worship. And it's like, okay, how do we how do go about do this? There's two ways. We can go in and try to like a VBS style because their ages were fourth grade through sixth grade. So they were younger kids, right, that we were going to get. And it's like, and you get all these just upbeat songs and, you know, do we this. And we like, said, no, we're just going to do a, adult worship songs. And so one of the songs was Good, Good Father. Because a lot of these kids, they didn't have fathers. They'd been abandoned or they have been abused. We're looking at some of the stuff that they had gone through. And it's like their earthly father was just horrible. And so their example of a father was just not a good thing. And so we're trying to introduce them and say, well, no, your heavenly father is this. But it was tough. And so we didn't know what to expect with worship. We're like, listen, we're not going to make these kids participate in anything. They have the option to participate. But we're going to offer this, this, this. And so worship said, we're going to have worship time. And we're just going to do these three songs. We're going to keep it simple. But it's just we're going to invite them to worship. And that video was from day two. And to see those kids raising their hands and singing Good, Good Father. Man, it was just amazing to see that. And at one point, I didn't have it in the video, but at one point, the band stopped playing and singing, got to the chorus, and we just heard all these voices of these kids just confessing that. And it was powerful. It was such a a cool moment, and then I did that hashtag um, uh, Jesus camp. It was so funny because on day one, they came in on Monday, and we picked them up. We borrowed church vans, all right, so on the side of the vans, it says, you know, Rocky Bayou Baptist Church, right, and we're picking up these kids, and we're going to camp. They come to camp, and they're all excited, and they go to their cabins, and we've got Bibles out for them, so they're getting the Bibles. We got memory verses all over. We finally make it to it was rough, all right? We finally make it to dinner time. And it's like, okay, let's try and get a prayer in. We pray, right? And then we get to worship that first night. And that first night was just, you know, kids just kind of look at whatever. Okay, we get through that. And then they, after that, we kind of had family times where they broke out and we got to kind of talk about Scripture and just try, try to reinforce, rein, reinforce some Scripture ideas. Okay, and then we got to day two. And day two, we made it all the way through that, right? In the morning, it's like prayer and all this time where we had moments. And then finally in the, in the evening, this was the funniest thing. This one little girl, we're sitting in family time uh, circle where they're just together. And she's got her Bible on and they're going through scriptures. And all of a sudden, this little girl goes, wait a minute. Is this a Jesus camp? <laughs> we're like, yes, it's a Jesus camp. <laughs> but just all of a sudden, wait a minute. <laughs> we're like, well, what gave you that idea? <laughs> you know, like the church fans, you know, the, the prayer. <laughs> but <laughs> so those those tender, funny moments. I that first night, I I, I talked to Claudette and I said, "Us, help me." We had a couple of uh, girls come in. They were in sixth grade, but man didn't act like they were in sixth grade and the clothes they were wearing or weren't wearing was like oh we need help because this is going to be a hard week and they came in and it was just like all tough we're going to do what we want to do and you would try to say hey let's do this no I'm not and they would just tell you just flat or just opposite stuff and I remember telling said help us because I don't know this week is going to be hard In fact, we knew it was going to be that way. We had to have a a one-to-two ratio at all times. We had to get background checks on all of our volunteers. Um, We always had a a two-deep rule where you could never, ever be alone with a student. Always had to have a minimum of two people that had gone through this training and all this stuff just to protect us and protect the children because of stuff that they had gone through, right? And I told Claude, I said, man, this is going to be hard if we can just get through this week with these tough children, right? But that one... One girl who uh, was just so tough, just put on this show, she ended up giving her life to the Lord. Her and another student did. I was so, so excited. She was just the most tender and sweet. And once you just got past that first initial, just so harsh and thing, and she actually realized that, hey, I'm loved and these people care about me and all this stuff, right? It was like such a tender moment. And so it was, it was wonderful. But to be honest with you, it was one of the hardest weeks in my entire life. I'm not exaggerating. I was exhausted physically, mentally, spiritually, exhausted. We started this thing on Sunday, Monday, the the kids came in. My role was just supposed to be in charge of like rec, all right? And so I grabbed, we had uh, 10 to 12 students from our church, EBC, Max was a part of it, and I, I organized them and said, hey, we're just gonna come down, we're gonna do these games and have rec time with them, and then we're done. And then my role turned into okay, you got to do rec, rec games and all that. And, and then also, man, it's just going to be so important to make a video like this every day for the kids. So go around and shoot all this video, edit it through the night. and Every morning we want to show them a video. Oh, that's a lot of work. Oh, yeah, you're going to do it. And then it turned into not only just doing that, but also kind of, uh, some of these kids, you know, they're kids in crisis, so I ended up being, uh, you know, you ever heard of the good cop, bad cop. I was kind of like the bad cop because we had the counselors there, and I want them to have to be the bad cop. And so I'd come in and say, oh, we can't do that. we can't, you know, we can't do that. we got to do this and I'm directing and all this and and being the bad guy, right? The bad cop going in. And so, you know, six thirty in the morning, I'm starting this, and then at eight o'clock at night, when we did our last uh, session, they are supposed to have wind down time, uh, winding down time where they go to bed at 9.30, and all the counselors had, a, we had relief counselors come in so they could get a break, and they'd come in and have a few hours off, and then I went in and took all this video footage from the day, and then I'm spending three, four hours editing it and putting it together, so Monday morning when they show up for the rally, they can see a video like that of themselves in this video, so I wasn't getting in bed till 11, 12 at night and then getting up at 6, and I did that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was a big video because we wanted that plus all of what had happened for the week. And so it was 1 or 1.30 by the time I got to bed on Thursday night to get up Friday. And even though we had those tender moments, I questioned, what in the world am I doing? What am I doing? I was so physically exhausted. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've had missions. I've been to Iraq in 06. And I've never been exhausted. 72-hour missions, where we were just going. I think, of course, I was telling that last night and a family member. I won't mention her name, but she said, "Well, you are older now." I said, okay, thanks. <laughs> I am old, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I got to the point where I was so exhausted and going, "Man, is this worth it? What am I doing?" And I remember Bethy calling me halfway uh, during the week. And uh, she was uh, telling me that, hey, just kind of making, making sure things are in order. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, you're this camp. I'm like, yeah, this, I'm at this camp trying to survive it. And she said, well, I just want to let you know that uh, we are planning on doing uh, communion. Is that all right? Perfect. Let's do communion. I need communion. You know, <laughs> Let's do it, plan for it. And so I started thinking about what I was going to share. I had some ideas, but this camp was just fully exhausted. I thought you know, I'd be done with the rec because the rec games were done. Uh, by 2 o'clock, 2.30, 3 o'clock, and I thought, I'll be done for the day. I could get a chance. to end up where I just kept going and going with video and correcting and all this other stuff, right? And so I had nothing prepared this week as I'm going through. And then uh, Friday, we got done at noon, and then I'm heading to our house uh, as quick as I can so we can get a family on the road to start driving up. We were going to stay in Tennessee Friday night, at least cut this. It's a 17-hour drive. I was trying to split it in half, you know, and so we're driving, and I just had time Friday to reflect, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. My reflecting was, what in the world am I doing? Why am I doing this? Is it worth it? This was hard. We've already got plans and ideas. They want to do it next year. I'm going, Lord, have mercy. Help me. And I'm thinking, am I too old for this? It, it drained my family. It was hard on Claudette because they didn't see me for the entire week. And I'm trying to talk to her in and community, and, and, and we didn't even talk much because at the camp, it, there was a no cell phone rule because we wanted 100% of the attention on the kids, right, which is appropriate, but so it's not like I can take an hour and catch up with her and my kids. It's like, so it was, it was just draining, I had to think that I'm processing this, and I'm really just questioning where I'm at. Why am I doing this? And so that's this morning, my throat is still kind of, I lost my voice, I'm starting to get it back, and I'm tired as can be. I'm just being upfront and honest with you. So I'm going to try to get through this. But that's where I'm at this morning. I just had this time. And this morning's message really is for me. And you just get to be along for the ride. You're here. But really, as I was driving through this and just reflecting on this, this was just the Lord. And I'm just having this conversation with the Lord and just going back and forth and really thinking, man, I have to resolve some stuff, if that makes sense. And so I was thinking about communion and where Jesus says, do this. In remembrance of me, and there's this unique thing about Christianity, and this unique thing that we believe, where God becomes one of us, right? Where God comes to Earth, becomes flesh, right? And so, uh, uh, John the disciple, right? He's he's with Jesus for three three and a half years, experiences all his teachings, everything like that, you know. uh, Experiences the death and then the resurrection, and he is so convinced that uh, Jesus is Lord and so convinced of his teachings that he continues on after Jesus has gone, has left, that he just continues on sharing, sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing. And the Roman emperor, they, uh, uh, the empire, they're just kind of getting sick and annoyed with it. And eventually, I think it's Emperor uh, Domitius says, okay, enough of this. And they exile uh, John to the Isle of, of Patmos. And he's an old guy right now. And he outlives all the other disciples, but he's thinking back and reflecting back on his life. And he says this, He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John is so convinced after spending that time with Jesus, and then even after Jesus is gone, just all those years after, he is still so convinced that Jesus is much more than just his friend, that Jesus was much more than just a rabbi or a teacher or a good person, but that he was God. And so this is his way of saying, man, God became flesh and he dwelt with us. And so the question is, why? why Why did Jesus have to come and do that why did he do that that's a big deal you know and I grew up in the church and if you grew up in the church maybe the first thing that kind of comes to your mind or you think of it as well is because he had to die on the cross for our sins you know and we kind of understand that because that's we just we grew up knowing that right but that's not the only reason, because John also says in, in chapter 17, he overhears Jesus praying. Now, this is before Jesus goes to the cross. Listen to what Jesus says. He says. He's talking to his Father in heaven. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. This was before he went to the cross. So it was much more than Jesus just coming and dying for our sins and my sins. Jesus is saying, no, I glorified you in the work that you had for me. And part of that work was Jesus showing us, mankind, who God is, what God is like. What God is like. What God is like. Jesus says, I'm going to demonstrate enough. We, and before Jesus comes, we kind of have glimpses, right? Right? We had prophets telling us this. We had the law. We have short, small glimpses, and we're trying to take these glimpses of what God is like and putting it together to the best they could and say, here's what God's, and then Jesus comes in and says, no, I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to live and show you what God is like in a broken world. We know this world's broken. I mean, just turn on the news. I, I, this week was hard, and all these kids are just broken, 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 and then what happened yesterday? We live in a broken world. And God comes in and says, rather than me just snapping my fingers and getting rid of all of it, I'm going to show you how to live in it. I'm going to show you how to love people in a broken world until I return. And he demonstrates that through Jesus. In fact, Peter, his disciples are teaching him. And Jesus is teaching some radical stuff. I mean, it's radical stuff. And, there, and, and uh, Peter's just like... Um, uh, Jesus is talking about this new idea of, of forgiving, all right, and, and uh, here's how I want you to forgive. So Peter's like, well, let's, let's get some specifics here. So he asks him, he says, uh, how often if my brother sins against me, shall I forgive him? It's a legitimate question, okay, because he's coming and Jesus is, is teaching on forgiveness, and he's saying radical stuff like, hey, if you get hit in the cheek, turn your cheek and let him hit your other cheek, all right? That's just not, I mean, it's radical. Even to this, today's standard, you're just like, really? I mean, you want me to to do this? This is extreme, okay? So Peter's like, let's find out how, let's get detailed with this, all right? So he's like, how often do I have to forgive if someone does me wrong, all right? If someone sins against me, how often do I have to forgive them, all right? And uh, he comes back what I think is a pretty reasonable, actually a really good answer, as many as seven times. I mean, think about this. Reflect on your own life. If someone does you wrong, how many times are you gonna forgive them? You're doing good if it's two or three times. I mean, if we're honest, right? Because it hurts, it doesn't feel good. Like, well, I'm gonna keep letting this person do this? And so, when someone does you wrong, I mean, Peter is being very generous. And going, hey, it's seven times? Because he's realizing what Jesus is doing. Jesus is kind of going to the extreme when he's talking about forgiveness and this new way of, of, of living life and how I want you to live life and demonstrate all this stuff. And so, and so Peter's like, I'm going to be generous with this seven times. But the response from Jesus is, no, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. So here, seven times thinking, hey, this is generous and this is good. Jesus goes, way over here, and you're going, what is going on? Well, to understand what is going on, you've got to know a little bit of history. And so if you go all the way back to Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel, remember that? And so you've got Cain and Abel, they're presenting offerings to the Lord, and Abel's offering is accepted, but Cain's offering is not accepted. And this makes Cain upset, all right? And the Lord catches it, and he says, hey, if you do what's right, Your offering is going to be accepted, but if not, sin is crouching at at your door, and you've got to overcome it, or it's going to overcome you. And so sin overcomes, and what does Cain do? He ends up killing his brother. All right, it's a fascinating story. And so the Lord comes and confronts Cain, and um, he says, hey, the the ground is crying out. His blood is crying out. I know what you did. And basically gives this punishment to Cain. And Cain basically just comes and says, hey, your punishment is too great. I can't handle this. And and God says something very interesting. He says, well, no one's going to touch you or kill you because if they do, the vengeance will be sevenfold, seven times. And then all of a sudden Cain goes, okay, and he goes off and he starts a city. And then you get to five generations later, you get to this character named Lamech, all right? And all of a sudden, you go from a vengeance of seven times to Lamech has two wives, we're told. And all of a sudden, he comes back, and he's telling his wives that he was attacked, all right? He was attacked by a young man that injured him, and he says to his wives, I killed that young man. And he says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech is 77-fold, 70 times seven. So all of a sudden, five generations, he goes from, from a vengeance of sevenfold to now I'm going to escalate this seven times 70 to a vengeance. Here's how we're going to treat one another. And Lamech does that. And all of a sudden, you have a few generations you have the, the flood and the population is wiped out. And if you're very, you know, we think, well, the, it was just depraved and all that with the flood. It's very specific. It mentions their sin twice. It says it because the, world, the, the earth had become so violent. Twice it says that. It mentions very specific. That was the sin. They were so violent with one another. God says, enough. And then you start after the flood, right? And all of a sudden, you get, you get Moses and you get the law, right? And Moses realized, okay, we can't go all lamic on one another, right? So he establishes and they have the law and it says, that, you know, basically an eye for an eye, right? And then you have that. And then Jesus comes along. And Jesus says, I'm introducing something new. It's no longer this eye for an eye. And it's no longer undoing the seven. But I'm undoing what Lamech, right, this spirit of, no, this just vengeance, seven times 70. Jesus comes along and says, no, I want you to forgive seven times 70, not revenge seventy times 70. And this was stuff that Jesus came in and just started teaching his disciples a different way, a new way to live. And it was radical. And he says stuff like he redefines like this this idea in the culture of, of who your neighbor is. And that's for you and I too, because we think, okay, a neighbor is just—you know—it's a person that thinks like me, or it's a person who acts like me, or it's this person I get along with, and we can be neighborly, right? And he says, no, it's anybody in need. It can be your enemy. That's who your neighbor is, and I want you to care for them. I mean, he does this parable, and it's completely—it's offensive because in this parable, he says basically a priest and a Levite—they're wrong, and they're the bad guys. And you got this other, this Samaritan, that they're, he's a good guy. And he flips everything around. And Jesus comes in and introduces us a way, a new way to live, because he says, this is what God is like. He shows us. He shows us. And we get a full glimpse. In fact, Peter at one, uh, uh, it was Philip, Philip at one point says, hey, okay, this, this teaching is difficult. If you could just show us the Father, that would help us out. Just show us the Father. Who is the Father? If we could just see the Father, that would help us. And Jesus kind of looks at Philip, Oh, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. As plain as day, Jesus demonstrates to us what our Father is like. I'm reminded of this story. I love this, this story because, um, you know, Jesus is doing his, his teaching, he's healing, um, and word is spreading. And people are, they're just figuring this out. They're going, hey, there's a lot of solutions out there. But Jesus just seems to be the answer. And people are getting healed, and sins are being forgiven, and some miracles are happening, and good things are happening. And Jesus does, he does these crazy things where it's like everybody's invited to follow him. So, you know, even with his disciples, you look at the, this group of disciples, and it's like he invites, you got, you got tax collectors, which, you know, if you don't fully understand that, like, they had their own category. You had sinners, and then you had tax collectors, you know. They were just bad people, right? The religious people in the time, the Jewish people, it's like, they're not a part of our crew. They're not a part of us. Well, Jesus says, well, they're a part of this new thing that I'm doing, the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to invite them. I'm going to invite sinners. I'm going to invite the outcasts, the people that you don't want invited. Guess what? They're invited to this thing, and people are hearing that, and people are knowing that, hey, We've got problems. There's problems in the, in the world, and Jesus is the answer. And so they start saying, hey, if we can just get to Jesus, if we can just start getting to Jesus. And so we're told of this story. It's told in Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, and I've just brought it up in, in uh, Mark. But it says, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not gear near, get near him because of a crowd, it says they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down. They let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And then I love this, and when Jesus saw their faith. And I kept thinking about this, and I kept thinking and reflecting on myself. So I confess to be a Jesus follower. I don't confess to be perfect. I don't confess to have everything right and have all the answers, but to the best of my ability, I'm trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. In fact, in my life, I have a discipline of, at the new year, starting January, I take time and I just focus on rereading the Gospels. And I take my time with it. Sometimes I'll take a month, sometimes two, three months, just rereading the Gospels, just rereading the Gospels because I'm a Jesus follower. And he, I mean, we have four accounts of what he did on earth. It's amazing the accounts and the stories we have. And so to just read those and refresh those in my life. But what's so amazing is Jesus saw their faith. So evidently, our faith, when we confess and say, hey, I'm a Jesus follower, I believe in Jesus, our faith is not just heard, but it can be seen, should be seen, right? Can be seen, should be seen. Jesus saw their faith. And so as I think about this story, if people are looking around, they, they, these, these four guys, this is amazing. Their, their, their friend can't walk, and all of a sudden, they're hearing about all the teachings of Jesus Christ, and they just know that, hey, if we can just get our friend to Jesus, he'll heal him. That's the answer right there. That's all we got to do. And so they go to their friend, and they, they, they all of a sudden, Jesus is in town, and they're like, hey, we don't know if he's going to walk by this, not, but he's over here teaching. We're going to work together and pick you up and take you to Jesus. And so they, they work, and they, they put together this plan, and they pick him up, and they carry him to Jesus because he can't go on his own. And they carrying him to Jesus. And all of a sudden, they're trying to get into the door. And it says the room was so, I mean, Jesus was popular, right? The room was so crowded that you couldn't get into the door. They couldn't make their way in, right? People were like, no, 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 wait your turn, all right? You go around. I'm here first, right? And all of a sudden, at that point, they could have easily just said, hey, we tried. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next time. And just give up. But they didn't. They said, no, we know the answer is Jesus, and now they looked at it and they had to reevaluate and go, how do we get you to Jesus? How do we get you to Jesus? We can't go this way. We had a plan. There's four of us. We thought we were gonna do it this way. Nope, it's not gonna work that way. Well now, where is their faith? Do they really believe that Jesus is the answer? Yeah, they do, so they don't let that stop them. They say, we believe that Jesus is the answer. It's gonna take a little bit more work. We're gonna find another way to get you to Jesus. Crazy. Oh, here's the way to do it. Can you imagine that meeting? We're gonna go up and on the roof and try to balance on that and then we're gonna to have to dig and break through the roof. We're gonna break, break through the roof and then somehow without dropping our friend because we love our friend, we're gonna lower him down, all right? Did you bring rope? I forgot to bring rope. We gotta go get some rope. You know, I mean, can you imagine the work that it took We just read it in this short story, but it took a lot of work, a lot of work. It was inconvenient for them. It would have been so much easier to go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, the answer is to get them to Jesus. Oh, come on, let's go to Jesus. This is easy. Oh, I didn't put this in my schedule. I don't have time now to do this. What it's going to take to actually get you to Jesus, another time, and they stop. No. They believed in their heart that Jesus was the answer. And they said, okay, we're going to do what it takes to get you there. And it took work. And it took them working together. And it cost them. I don't know if they had to go out and buy rope. I don't know what had to do. I'm sure they had to. I mean, they broke into a house. They're going to have to fix that somehow. It cost them. But they were determined Their faith said, no, Jesus is the answer. That's what we know. We're going to get them there. I'm telling you, if we are confessing that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the answer, it's going to take work on our part to get people to Jesus. We live in a broken world. I saw that this past week. I can't. The stories of these kids, they should never, ever have to go through that stuff. Sixth grade, and I'm looking at some of this stuff going, high schoolers and adults have never had to deal with what you've had to deal with. And you're in sixth grade. The world is broken. What happened yesterday? Broken, there's so much pain and hurt. And I don't want it to be cliche, cliche to go, oh, Jesus is the answer. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer because he shows us how to love one another, how to forgive one another, how to care for one another. He goes in and he takes it to the extreme. And he didn't just tell us to do it, but he modeled it and he lived it. And he did not have to do it. And so as I was reflecting this week, going, what am I doing, Michael? Jesus did it. And if I call myself a Jesus follower, I for sure better do it. Jesus, he led the way. He modeled it. And I don't want to just be this person that says the right things. Oh, here's what we need to do. And have the, you know, I'm saying the right answers, what I think is the right answers, right? But I want my faith to be seen. Does that make sense? And so it's going to take some work. And if I really truly believe that Jesus is the answer, we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and it's going to cost us our time and it's going to cost us our resources and it's going to cost money. All this stuff, it's going to cost us. But I'm telling you what, if we can get that person, if we can get this next generation, whatever it is to Jesus, man, he is transforming lives. And I saw a glimpse of that this past week. There's this one boy at camp. This was a hard boy. (laughs) Oh, man, his name was Landon. He didn't want to do anything. He came in that first day, was like, I done made up my mind. You ain't the boss of me. I'm going to let everybody know. And so you would kind of say, hey, we're doing this this." and this. Nope, I'm going over here. And he'd take off this way, and we're going over here. And I found out real quick on that first day that I was going to have to be the bad cop because we're trying to get our counselors there you know, so they could kind of just connect with him, right? We didn't want them to just be in the bad person, always correcting, right? So I was like, I'm gonna come along and have to just constantly redirect, redirect, redirect and just love on this boy as best as I can, right? And I would just try to get video of him. And he's like, I don't don't take, okay, I won't get any video, right? Let's try to do this, let's try. Nope, nope, I'm doing this, this, this. And he just, everything was opposite. He was just did not want to submit to any kind of authority, right, at all. And I was just like, that's that's going to be my week with this guy, with this one boy. We're not getting a breakthrough. All right, we just got. To, I just got to survive, right? We just got to survive with this boy. And it's like, okay, can we still, I don't know how I'm going to introduce Jesus to this boy because we're, everything that we're trying to do, he doesn't want to be a part of it. So, well, okay, let's try to make it the best week of his life. But like all the stuff we're doing, he didn't want to do. He didn't want to participate in this and this and this. He would be off over here being a distraction, you know. And I just thought, man, okay, so, on Thursday, I'd just been working throughout the week with this, this boy, and it's has been a problem. In the evenings, the counselor was just coming in, okay, and we just, we try to pray with him, and just, okay, let's try this, let's try this. Nothing seemed to be working. Well, on Thursday, I had my, my camera, and I'm walking by him, and he goes, Mr. Michael, and that caught my attention because he ain't calling nobody Mr. All right, it was like, hey, it was this, and I'm like, Mr. Michael, and I was like, oh, got my attention, I'm walking by, and I stopped, and I said, yes. And he goes, hey, 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 Mr. Michael, I'm going to let you take a video of me. I said, you are? I said, fantastic. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. And he takes and We had these bandanas. And he puts his bandana over his, over his, over his face. He goes, I'm going to be a ninja. I said, all right, you be a ninja, man. And he goes, but I'm going to let you take a video. And he, he, we're, we're talking, and he goes, he goes, I know what you're going to do with that video. And I got down and kind of knelt, and I said, you do? You know what I'm going to do with this video? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you're going to take that video and you're going to edit it and I'm going to be on that big screen tomorrow. I said, Landy, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I said, you're going to be on the holy moly TV tomorrow, this big old screen, (laughs) right? I said, I'm going to put you on there. And he he just looks at me and he goes, see, I'm smart. He goes, I'm not dumb and I'm not stupid. I looked at him and said, no, you're not. I believe you're smart, and you are loved, and we care. And in that moment, I wish I could tell you, oh, he gave his life to the Lord. No, but I can tell you, in that moment, I showed the love of Christ to him, and he was in need of just some encouragement of a man coming in his life and saying, you are smart. You are loved. And I don't care what everyone else is because you're a problem child, a child in crisis, all these things, and they're just feeding just this negative stuff and just this hateful stuff in his life, and that's all he's heard. And he's just going, no, that's not me. And in that moment, I was able to just listen to him and love on that boy and encourage him. And I tell you what, that Thursday night, I heard him singing, and he ended up, we couldn't believe it, doing a memory verse on Friday. We we were just blown away that this kid memorized a memory verse, like, did that. It takes work. I can't tell you, to be honest with you, I was ready to give up. It's like those four guys going, and they just hit a wall, crowd of people. Well, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to just take off a little bit of time of work and to carry them. That's that's a lot of work, and I just signed up to do that, and that's all I can give. We cannot stop. We've got to roll up our sleeves. We've got to go the extra mile. This next generation, for sure, the culture, they need to see Jesus. And it's my job, and it's your job, if you call yourself a Christ follower, to get them to Jesus any way that we can. And we can sit here and scratch our heads and try to put together a plan. We need to do that. But listen... If we really believe that Jesus is the answer, when that plan just goes kaput, blows up, run out of money, not working, do we give up? Or do we go, i got to rethink this thing through? Because I'm really confessing and believing. I'm just like the the disciple John right now, and I'm so convinced that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus will transform. So listen, i got to rethink this thing, and Lord... Give me the strength because this is a whole lot harder than I thought. But Jesus is the answer in a broken world. So I think back, do this in remembrance of me. That's been my week. I've had a hard week. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. But when I think back, why am I doing this? Because listen. I tell you, I truly do believe in my heart Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He shows us how to love one another. He shows us how to forgive one another, how to care for one another. And that right there will change the world. Could you imagine that, that idea of radical forgiveness? If we could just practice forgiving one another, what Jesus taught us, it's hard. But if we could just have that practice, oh, the world would be changed. Rather than a vengeance or I'm going to get back or I'm not going to talk to you, I'm not going to do this, I'm just going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. Jesus is the answer. And so I just want to encourage you. This message, it was for me because I just had this reflecting of just thinking, why am I doing this this week? But I know why. I know why. It's a powerful thing for before, for God to become one of us. He didn't have to do that. It's a powerful thing for Him to say, "Hey, I'm going to show you exactly what God is like, and who God likes." And we all have that call. Jesus is going, "Hey, follow me," and so we have that example that we can follow Jesus and demonstrate, and we'll be the light of the world. Introduce people to Jesus. We have the worship team come up. We're going to close with communion. And uh, I just want to give I guess some instruction, I guess. I know on the, I believe I'm correct, but on the right-hand side, we have a gluten-free option. And on the left-hand side, I guess it would be, am I saying this right on their left or is it their right? Same. Same. Well, I know, but so, so my right would be their left, right? Yeah. For gluten-free, your left. All right, it'll be a gluten-free option. I'm sure I, we got to get that correct, all right? So, and uh, the worship team is just going to play, and then I would, I invite you and encourage you to, to partake in communion. Now, we're not, uh, when we practice communion, uh, it's not closed in the sense that you've got to be a member of this church to partake, but we do ask that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. We don't want to bring judgment on you. And all I ask is as, as you're coming and you take communion, you'll go back and then you just take it when you're ready. But take a moment and pause. And I don't know where you're at in life right now. If you've had a good week, a busy week, it's just been an okay week. But really reflect and remember Jesus and not just the work that he did on the cross. That's so important. And what a blessing that our Savior died for our sins, for my sins. But it was so much more than that. And so when we take communion and we remember what Jesus did, we remember the life he lived and the life that he demonstrated for us. So if you just bow your your heads, I'm just gonna pray, and then when I'm done praying, we'll have the, the communion be available up here. You just come down and just partake. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to not just die on the cross, but to show us who you are. And he challenges us. He says, hey, I don't, the the greatest commandment is not just to love you, God, but to also love our neighbor. And that's a challenge. But help us to do that. Help us to love our neighbor. Help us to bring people to Jesus, to show the love of Christ. To show their worth, you value each and every person. And so, Lord, I pray when we're tired, when we're weary, Lord, give us the strength. Lord, show and to share the love of Christ with those around us and meet the needs of our neighbors to those that are in need, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, Jesus we take communion together in remembrance of the work that you did for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridway.church.